What's going on guys, Tyler Solberg with the Solberg Performance Training Podcast and today is episode number 10. I try to, uh, to start recording this multiple times, I keep getting FaceTimes from my friends, which is a good thing, happy to see them, um, but yeah, I'm glad I can finally get this going here. So again, just like any other time that I do a solo podcast, I'm just going to go through a list of questions I got either on social media or the podcast email and I'm just going to share my thoughts, um, and hopefully this can benefit some of the people that are listening. So first one it looks like is, how did you get into coaching? Yeah, so I actually got into coaching for a similar reason. A lot of coaches get into coaching. Um, I got injured my senior year of high school, and um, I had just turned 18 at the time, and so I lost um, my health insurance. I lost my Badger Care. So hurt my knee. Um, went in to get an, um, an MRI one day, the day that I got hurt. And there was so much swelling that they couldn't get a clear. They couldn't get clear imagery on what had happened to my knee. So they couldn't really give me a fair diagnosis of what had happened and the degree of the injury. Well, because I had lost my insurance, you know, I really couldn't afford to go back. Um, so that was the last day that I stepped in that, uh, orthopedic clinic in, um, in Rapids. And, um, from there I kind of just, yeah, really just hobbled my way around and, and did my research on the internet of what I could do to work on my knee without having to get surgery. And, um, that led me into a lot of performance training stuff. I guess when I was, when I was younger, you know, obviously we had a strength coach in high school, but I, you know, I never really realized that you could, that could be a career. Um, so, you know, in getting injured, I had started looking at some of these sites and learning about some of these different trainers that work with these pro athletes. And I got really interested in it just for myself. But then as I started to recover and, and regain some of my function in my body, um, I really started to direct the focus to working with other people. Um, I didn't really know of a gym at the time that I could go and work at other, I guess, than, than the YMCA. So, um, I got a job, which in my head at the time I know is, is not remotely the same thing, but I got a job at GNC at the mall in Rapids. And, um, I was kind of on the side working with my buddy Hayden and, um, you know, working with him, we were working out together and I was writing programs for us and stuff to get him ready for, um, for the season. And, um, me just obviously to, you know, increase my performance and how I looked and um, I ended up getting that job at GNC and um, I was working there and, and one day actually this girl that I went to high school, she came in there and she, she goes, yeah, do you know anything about personal training? And I said, I don't. Um, I was like, why do you ask? And she's like, well, they're opening up an Anytime Fitness down the street and, you know, I'm thinking about applying for the job. You know, they... Um, they're hiring personal trainers down the street and it's, it's something I want to do. So I just thought, you know, maybe at GNC, you guys would know something about that or where to get certified. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. I don't really know anything about that stuff. Like, Hey, do you need some pre-workout? You know? Um, but yeah, so that, that conversation happened that day. And I just remember I was sitting there, it's, it was never really busy in that mall. And I was just sitting there dueling up programs for me and Hayden. And, um, I was like, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to go over there when I get done with work. I'm I'm going to go over to this gym that just opened. And it was crazy. It's I haven't really thought about this in a while, but it, it's kind of crazy how I started my career. So I so I go over there. I'm in I'm you know, you have to dress in kind of like business casualish type of stuff for a GNC. I'm in my GNC get up and I'm basically dressed like I would be if I was going to be in like a show choir. Um but but I go over to GNC after I get done with work and I sat down and as anybody knows, I like to talk a lot. I sat down and I told this guy that was the manager in this new place that was opening up this Anytime Fitness in Rapids that was opening up. I told him kind of my whole story of how I got injured and how I had gotten to training and how this was something I really wanted to do with my life. And I, I felt like I was, I was good at, um, you know, and obviously Hayden's a genetic freak, right? You know, anybody that knows the the Beagles know that it's, you know, that's, that wasn't me doing that right. That was great genetics and food and Hayden worked his ass off. But while I was working with Hayden, while we were lifting together, he went from like 
you know, 195 pounds to 300 pounds and, you know, full ride to Madison. Again, not taking any, any credit for that. I'm just saying I, it was something I, I could tell that I really gravitated toward the, the weightlifting piece and I, I thought I'd be really good at. So yeah, I sat down with that guy and I just kind of told him the story about, you know, myself and, and working with Hayden and how I wanted to train and become a personal trainer. And he's just like, dude, you're good. He's like, you're hired. <laughs> like literally I just talked for five, ten, five, ten minutes, just straight. He didn't get a word out and great dude. Great dude. Um, uh, Adam Hofer, shout out to that guy, um, for, for giving me my first job in training. Cause it's, it's crazy to think, you know, if I wouldn't have ever got that job, like who's to say I would have ever done this, but, um, but yeah, he's like, you're hired, man. And then that was where I started my career. I started at that little anytime fitness in, in Rapids. And, you know, I, I did well, um, filled my schedule really fast, obviously, because it was a new facility, had that. I had my first, you know, athletic performance training group there. A lot of really great athletes I, I was privileged to work with at, at there. A lot of people that went on to play collegiate football and um, hockey. And yeah, I, it, uh, it was a crazy, crazy start, but that's, that's how I got into coaching initially. And then, um, you know, after doing that for a while, um, my clients kind of convinced me like, Hey, you know, like we really like working with you, but like, we want you to go to school <laughs> and we really think that this is something you ought to pursue, um, academically. And, and you, you know, like we like, we love this gym and we love having you, but you, you should probably go <laughs> try to try to do something a little bit more with it than staying here. And I very much appreciate them for pushing me to do that. And, you know, a lot of those people wrote letters of recommendation um, for me to get into to college. And I, I never had good grades in high school. So, you know, who's to say I would have really even got into um, college without the letters of recommendations from my clients and my manager and that experience that I got with like no certification and yeah. Um, and you know, the, I would say that's the reason why, you know, when people start out and some people insult new trainers for like not knowing anything and just being like overly passionate and dude, sometimes that's where you got to start. Like I, I know a lot about training now, but like the thing that got me into it was like my enthusiasm for helping people and exercise and like the benefits I knew it could provide for my clients and my friends. And, um, you know, so if you're ever thinking about making the jump into training, just know like that's that's my story. I'm not saying I've made it by any means, but you know, I, I've I'm measurably successful in, in my career and um it all did start with me just, you know, going into a gym and telling them my story and starting with no certifications and no credentials or anything, just passion for helping people and and that's it. So yeah, that's that's my story for getting getting started. I'm really thankful someone asked that question because I hadn't thought, thought about that in a while. Okay, well, let's move on from that. Um, so you said that you and your friends drank a lot in college and a while after. How did you cut down on drinking and change your lifestyle? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it, it's not easy. It's not easy when you go to school and a lot of the, your friends that you meet, you meet them in the bar and a lot of your friends like work as bartenders and you know, a lot of people you meet that are your friends in school, you, you go and get drinks with. And in, in Wisconsin, as, as you guys all know, that, that grew up there, it's kind of a bar culture. It's a very hard thing to get out of, um, you know, because it's fun. That's where everybody is. And, you know, all my favorite people hang out in bars. You know, I've said this in other podcasts, like my favorite people are comedians and bartenders, you know, like, honestly, they're my favorite people. That's why I choose to work with them. But I feel like I, you know, I, f I feel like it's a really hard thing to explain how to get out of it because the thing is, it's like, I'm still like that bar degenerate at, at <laughs> in my heart still anyways, because, you know, every once in a while me and my roommate will go and, and kind of, you know, turn it up on the drinks and things like that. But I think, I think getting out of Wisconsin was probably the biggest thing that was helpful to me. It's, it wasn't anyone else's fault, but mine. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's not me taking a shot at like my friends that like to spend the nights in the bar or anything like that. I just kind of like realized I wanted something different for myself. And I realized that like, you know, if the bulk of my decisions were like revolving around 
getting drinks on Thursday, Friday, so, you know, um, that I wasn't going to be able to achieve some of the things I wanted to, um, you know, during college, I got really out of shape and I probably gained like 40, 50 pounds, something I was really embarrassed about. And, but that was because, you know, I spent all my nights in the bar and then you get, you know, takeout at the end of the night and, you know, you're just always eating out and you're always, and yeah, I mean, the, the best way to, to cut down on that stuff is you just got to get yourself out of there and you got to, you got to think about your values and what you want to accomplish and it, and you don't need to shit on anyone else for what they're doing. You know, um, they're still great people too. It just, you know, if you want something different, you can't spend a bulk of your time in the bars. It's just, or you have to learn how to drink less, but if you're me and my friends, you know, uh, we don't, we don't, we don't get down like that. So, you know, a big thing for me was just kind of getting out of there and picking my days like today, for example, um, you know, because I have so much going on with work in the podcast and clients and videos I got to film, I've like used all those activities as kind of barriers to drinking, right? Like, you know, my roommate, and again, same thing, like cut down drinking immensely. You know, Dickie doesn't, both of us barely drink as much as we did from when we lived in Wisconsin. But, you know, like he's, he's hanging out with one of our buddies right now. And I, I'm not shitting on him for that. You know, that's totally fine. Like he did everything he needed to do during the week, ate healthy you know, did his workouts, did, you know, took his sleep supplements, it, right? But, you know, I know I needed to get this stuff done. So when he, you know, went to the bars today, I just stayed here. And I, you just have to get into the routine of being cool with that. And um, there's going to be a lot of celebrations on the other side of those those days that you stay in. And a lot of, a lot of things that you'll be able to accomplish that you're proud of. I... I just, I think with drinking, it's like, you just got to get to the point where you're sick of your own shit. Like you're, it was so crazy that I graduated college. It's so crazy that I like did some of the stuff I did because I was drinking all the time. Like I, I was drunk or hungover like most of my college career. And it's just like, once you finally stop fighting that uphill battle and you like actually relax on a weekend versus going and blacking out and you actually have some time to like make plans and get ahead in life and. I'm telling you, like, again, it's, it's totally not me shitting on any of my friends or anyone that lives that way. It's just like, it, it's kind of eye opening when you get out of the, the regular bar scene, you know, versus going out, Hey, we got some friends in town. Let's go hit, let's go hit mill or let's go hit Gilbert or Scottsdale or anything like that. Whole different thing. So I did that, you know, building, building barriers in your life, right? Like having work, having people that depend on you. Um, building structure in your, your workout routine. Once you get into a good workout routine, it's harder and harder to, to go out and, and recover and make progress. It's not like you can't do both drink and go out or drink and work out at the same time. It's just that, you know, you'll get to a point where you're just like, I know I'm plateauing and I know I can't make any more progress until I, until I start to make some, some lifestyle adjustments. And for me, that was always, and a lot of my friends, um, that always turned out to be drinks. So um, I think it's something just growing up in Wisconsin, I'll always kind of deal with, and I think that's okay. Um, I've, I've, I've come to terms with the fact that I'm simultaneously two different people. And I, I think that's a, a good thing. I think, I think like, I know that I'm like this outgoing guy that goes to the bars and throws back shots and drinks beers with my friends and has a great time. And, you know, doesn't talk anything about fitness. And then on the other end, I'm also this person that's like, we got to take care of ourselves. We have, and I want to be there for my friends and, um, be the person that person that like provides the path for them to get out of it kind of similar, similarly as I did. And, um, yeah, so I would just, like I said, I would just say that, you know, the biggest, the biggest way I got out of it, out of it was just kind of distancing myself from the, from the environment. You know, if you don't want to eat crappy food, you don't keep it in the house. If you don't want to, you know, if you want to work out, you keep equipment in the house. If you don't want to drink, don't go where there's $7 all you can drink rum and Cokes, you know, um, just as simple as that. I think, I think we don't, I think we don't like, like to make it that simple, but it is. And it's hard, right? If you, all of your friends and the girls you hang out with are guys and 
they're all in the bar every night and you end up sitting at home and you don't have any friends or anyone to hang out with. That's tough, man. So I think that's why it's really hard for a lot of people to get out of it. Cause it, there's, there's a lot of good things about hanging out in the bars. It's fun. It's exciting. I love it. Anyone that went to college with me is good friends with me knows I love, I love it, but I just realized like that can't be where I spend a bulk of my life, you know? All right. Enough, enough booze talk here. Um, let's go to the next one. What are some of your regrets as a coach? That's a great question. Um, you know, I would say this, going back to the drinking thing, I just said enough of the booze and stuff. I regret that, um, I just regret that, you know, a lot of my, I had like these things early on in my career, like when I was in college, I'd be coaching. And I know, I'm not saying this to brag, but I'm a good coach. You know, people that work with me always get results and we always connect and we always, we always develop a really good bond. And I think because that's happened, I got away with a lot of stuff that I shouldn't have got away with. You know, I would, I would, I would, I would blatantly miss sessions sometimes and just be like, Oh, I'm sick. I was hungover. I was, I was drinking the night before and I wouldn't go. And, um, I had that with like some professors that really looked out for me at UWL as well too, that could have failed me a few times in my classes, but they just like wanted me to succeed. So they just wouldn't let me. I mean, I blatantly missed my final probably two or three times. And they're just like, get your, get your fucking ass in here and take this exam. You're not going to like get an A in this class all semester. You just don't show up because you want to go out for drinks. What are you doing? Um, so that, that's a big thing. Yeah, I, re I really, I really regret that. Um, but I realized it was just like, you know, um, it's just the way things were and you can't right? like hindsight is 2020 right? You don't realize like the impact you're having on people or yourself or those things when you're doing that stuff. And so I regret that, but it's also, you know, I learned a lot of, a lot about myself through that. I, I tell, I tell my friends and my clients, like my family, like, I think, um, going back to like getting out of that lifestyle drinking, it's like, man, I really, coaching was always my, my crutch because it was the only reason I had to stay sober, you know, like I can, again, I'm not bragging, but I can take an exam. And I, I used to have this saying that I literally told my friends, I'd be like, if I take this exam, I don't care if I'm, I don't care if I'm drunk, I'm getting a B, you know, if I just show up and, you know, the coaching and the, the relationships I have with some of my clients and some of the athletes I had in the performance center and stuff like that's what saved me for myself. Cause I just like, after a while I was like, dude, I'm just they're going to know, you know, I can't be showing up and what the fuck am I doing, dude? Like these people depend on me and, um, yeah. And you just, you just start to want better for yourself and for them. And, um, yeah, it's just something that I just, I don't deal with that anymore. You know, it's just, it's something that just like went away, like not because anyone told me to, but just because I just wanted better for myself. Um, and I could, I could feel some of the tendencies I was leaning into, um, that's, you know, that run in my family with alcoholism and drug abuse and things like that with my dad. And I would always wonder, I'm like, am I teetering into that? And I always felt like I was in control, but right. That's what everybody always says when, when they got a problem. Um, but yeah, you know, now it's like, I have such a good relationship with drinking. Like I don't do it all the time. And when I do it, I choose to. And when I do it, you know, I got my to-do list going in, you know, I get everything done and make sure all my clients are taken care of, make sure my room's clean, make sure my house is clean, make sure everything's taken care of, all my replies to clients. All I have such a process for doing, doing it now, but yeah, I'd say like, man, early on, I just, that was some, that was something I struggled with so much was like the, the drinking part that just always gets in the way of your ability to like have fucking structure and get momentum in your life. It's just, it's tough. Um, other than that, you know, I would say another thing that I really regret early on is, is just thinking in absolutes all the time. You know, one of the, one of the easiest ways I would tell you that you can identify in either an insecure coach or a really young coach is their, um, is their mentality of like, you know, this is the way you do things. This yields this. And when, you know, when you want to accomplish this, this is what you do. And everything's set in stone and everything's black and white. And I would say, you know, having that mentality. And I think, right. When you're learning stuff, you, 
you don't realize that. But I think some of my hard stances I had on certain lifts or certain diets or certain meditation practices or mindfulness practices or recovery practices, I, I wish, you know, I regret that early on in my career, I w- probably wasn't as open-minded to things. And now I'm, I'm really a, b- a big, that it depends guy, you know, um, I regret, you know, shitting on people for, and not intentionally, right. Just, I think young coaches and people that are insecure starting out, like they really end up bagging on people's lifestyle for all the right reasons they're like I need to change you and I I re I, that's a that's the good way to say it is I regret I regret looking at coaching as changing people I regret like thinking about coaching as like the way you live your life is wrong and the way you think about things is wrong and what you value is wrong and um I now look at it as like I'm more of like just I'm a guide you know my thing is Tell me about what you love. Tell me what you value. Tell me about like what matters in your life. And I'm going to find a way to make healthy things conducive with that. And so, yeah, those are some of my regrets. And I, I am, I do take a lot of pride in now that I, I'm not as, uh, I'm not as, I don't have as hard of stances on things as I did when I started. And I think that really inhibits you from helping a lot of people sometimes, um, you know, for example, I have one of my clients that I work with and, um, you know, it, it took like a month of us working together before he even got a workout in. He just had to keep showing up to the weekly meetings and I won't say who it was, but obviously, but, you know, I think in the past I would have like sat there and been like, you know what, if you're, if, if you're not going to do it, put the work in and you're not going to take this serious and you're not, then just, you know, forget it, you know, get out of here. And then, but the thing is, is like when you drop your own agenda and you drop like, if they do this and this, and it means they're like this, if you drop that shit and you just really listen to people and you're really there for them, you know, they, they come around and they make those decisions for themselves once they feel like you give a fuck about them. And, you know, it's very important, but you know, that same person that didn't get any workouts in the first month has been killing it now, you know, gets, gets one, two in a week. And, you know, I'm glad I didn't let my own, you know, ignorance get in the way and, and inhibit their progress. So, all right, let's, uh, let's fucking heavy episode people. Episode 10, baby. All right. Um, okay. How do you get clients online? That's a good one. Um, yeah, you know, (laughs) it's interesting because in some facets, social media is such a powerful thing, right? It can it can connect people from across the world. It can connect you with a trainer from states or countries away, and it's amazing. Um, but I think at the same time, as a lot of people starting out um, and, and a lot of people looking to get clients, they rely too heavily on the marketing portion of things, and they rely too heavily on the social media posting type of stuff. Um, I know. I know trainers that have 30, 50,000 followers, hundreds and thousands of followers, and they have no clients. So they're not making any money. So big following, no money. Then on the flip side, um, I am shit at social media. Now, this is something eventually I think I'm, you know, once I run out of client leads, which which doesn't seem to be happening so far, um, lock, knock on wood, but you know, I'll, I'll definitely pay someone in marketing to help me with this. I, I know my limitations as a trainer. I'm, I am not a marketing expert. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I will tell you that I have a full roster and I have barely any followers. I've like a thousand followers and I barely get any likes on any of my shit. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. You have to reach out to people you want to train people that you think are like-minded Um, people that you think you'll work well with. If I'm being honest, I don't just, I just don't arbitrarily reach out to everybody. I don't just go, Hey, will you work with me? No. Oh, Hey, will you work with me? You know, cause that's the thing. It is a numbers game, but you also want to like only reach out when you, when you coach people online, you're hanging out with them for 15 minutes a week on a call. And you know, do you want to be hanging out on a call 15 minutes a week with someone that doesn't believe the same things that you believe that you're not on the same page with? That's hard to work with. That's hard to deal with. That's a headache to work with. Doesn't want to get better. 
No, you don't. So, you know, my, my approach is really, um, <laughs> I make a list. I, I do. I think about friends and family and past clients. I go, who did I really love to work with? Who would I really love to spend time with? And then I write that list and I'm, I'm just genuinely honest with them. Hey man, I'd love to work with you. Would you be free for, you know, a 30 minute consultation call? I can kind of share my services with you and my offerings and how I feel like I, I can be a benefit of uh, a benefit to you for managing your health and um, your fitness goals. And if they want to jump in the call, they jump in the call. And if they don't, they don't, you know, and you don't really want to work with anyone that doesn't want to work with you. Right. Um, so, yeah, I know that's um, I know that sounds counterintuitive to like a lot of like marketing principles. And it is. Um, but I've been able to be pretty successful in getting a lot of online clients because I just have a rela have a relationship with a lot of people. You know, I have, a, I have like good relationships with a lot of my friends and family and past clients. And so when I made the jump, like I didn't need a following to, to get on the phone with my friend and go, bro, I want you, I want you in my group. Okay. Like I know your work ethic. I know how hard you can work. You know, we've talked about this stuff before. I want you in one of my groups. I feel like you do great. That it's worked so far, you know, right? Maybe, 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 maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's where you ought to start. You ought to start organically with the people you want to work with, and then go from there. So that's how that's how I, I would say get new clients. How I get new clients. You can feel free to do whatever you want. There's there's no right or wrong way to do anything. This is simply how I do things. All right. Um, okay. Here we're into some training stuff. It's <laughs> all. Um, okay, so what supplements do you recommend? That's a great question. Um, I only like to speak to supplements that I take or I have taken um, that that I like to take. Um, I currently I take creatine. Um, I take aminos when I work out, and that's really you know I hit my protein goals on a regular basis. Um, from a palm size protein standpoint, I, I hit my marks. Um, so you know the aminos is is probably a waste of money, but I like the taste. Um, and I like thorn. And so, you know, it binds well with the creatine. So when I take it before my workouts or during my workouts, it, it, it binds well and it tastes good because I don't like tasteless creatine. Yucky. Um, so I take those and then protein powder. Um, if it's, if it's chocolate, like the last tub of protein I bought was vanilla. So I just don't eat it. <laughs> I just never drink it. Um, but if I have chocolate protein in the house, I really like the thorn, um, chocolate protein. When I have that in the house, I'll drink it as a post-workout, but otherwise I'm like really big on having food prepared and good, good post-workout, um, snacks and pre-workout shooters planned out. Um, so yeah, so protein, um, creatine aminos while I work out, you know, I'll say this too, guys, if you're hitting your protein goals, don't worry about aminos. I just like the taste. Um, I don't want you guys to waste 40 bucks. I'm fine with wasting 40 bucks because I just like the taste. And, you know, maybe if maybe if one day I'm, I'm off, let some BCAs floating around the system, whatever, screw it. Um, yeah, so those, I, I, fish oil is a great one. I've always noticed that. Kind of what Dan said, um, Dan John said on his podcast was like, every time I get clients taking fish, fish oil, their, their skin does look better. Um, I feel like they recover a little bit better too, just having those omega threes in their diet. I, you know, I always tell people I, I prefer you eat whole foods, right? Like I prefer, I eat a lot of fish. I think that's a big key for me to staying lean. And then also having a lot of good, healthy fat in my diet, I think is getting a lot of, um, you know, a lot of fish in there, but at the same time, you know, if, if that's not always applicable or, or reasonable for you, for your schedule and, um, how busy you are, you know, you got to do what you got to do to get those omegas in. So, you know, fish oil is great. Um, trying to think what else. Hmm. Maltize, I think it, that's kind of a similar thing too. I think it's great to lead with something like that to fill the gaps. But then I think, you know, if you can get blood chem chemistry testing over time to figure out where your deficiencies and get a little bit more targeted, um, with your vitamin mineral intake and your supplementation, I think that's, that's a great place to be at some point. Um, because you do want to get a bulk of your nutrients from, from real foods. You do want to get a bulk of your performance um, boost from, from the things you eat diet in, in your diet. But I do understand that people like supplements. I do understand the gap that they fill. And so, like I said, 
um, you know, I would say creatine is a good one. Um, pick a good protein that you like the taste of so you actually take it, unlike me, right? Don't wanna, <laughs> you don't want to pay 60 bucks for a tub and be like, oh, shit, this sucks. Um, and then, yeah, like fish oil and multi would be great. Um, those, those would be what I recommend. But also not recommend because I'm not a dietitian, so, um, you know. I should have one of my smart sport dietitian friends on the show so that I'm not talking out of my ass here. That's just personally what I'm taking, okay? I know my scope. I know that's not what I'm, you know, an expert in. Okay. All right. Um, what type of music do you listen to when you work out? Oh, God. Um, yeah, man, I'm all over the place. I have a very eclectic music style. I, I like everything. I, I do. I love you know, you could catch me a big bulk. Of what I listen to when I'm like in the midst of my sets is a lot of like, a lot of rap, a lot of Meek Mill, um, a lot of Mac. Um, those are just things. And and then I mean, I got, I'll I'll like mix in some like rock and roll stuff in there too. But for the most part, it's just like <laughs> heavy, very aggressive rap. Um, a lot of that. And then I'll listen, you know what I, you know what I thought about too is like, I'll listen to songs that like take me somewhere. You know, there's some songs I listen to that I, I can like feel cause I've always worked out. That's been one of the most constant things in my life since I was like, you know, 11 years old was like weights. And so I can like hear a song and I can like feel like where I was in my life. And sometimes like to draw, um, to draw some effort out of myself or to put myself in a headspace where I feel like I am going to like get shit done and overcome and put myself in that like poor person, like out of my ass type of mentality. I'll listen to songs that I, that I used to listen to when, when I didn't have a lot of money and I didn't have a lot of direction in my life. I like to listen to those songs. They get me pumped up, ready to roll then. You know, one of the songs I can think of that I really love, it's um it's got a beautiful piano like segment in the beginning of it, but it's the it's the intro to the J. Cole album. Um, one of his one of his first ones, Sideline Story. And it's um yeah, dude, when I hear it, and it's just like the piano at the beginning. Um I really I really love the lyrics. I'm actually gonna look that up. Um I'll edit it the, this out later. But it says something like, yeah, so it says, um, yeah, it, it says something along the lines of like, I'm sending this out to those who fell down and then rose. And that like part just like gets me going. And it was like, when when my story's told, let it be known I never fold. I feel like so weird reading these lyrics. But like, when I read that, when I listen to that stuff, I just like get in his own like, I know that there's... There's people in my life that have, you know, got not the best impression of me for that didn't know where I was at in my life um, when they met me and I was in a bad spot. A lot of people that probably doubted on whether or not I could accomplish anything. And I, I just hear that stuff and like, I'm just like, you know what? I took my time and I, and I worked hard and I worked through these things and I'm going to fucking do this, you know? So I love those. I love those songs that bring me there, um, that to to those places in my life. Okay. Um, yeah. So, how do you recommend clients eat better? Yeah, this is a great question, and this is something I want to get out there because I think you know. And when I talk, and again, like I said, like my my sport dietitian friends, like. My nutrition coaches, I think, that really, really get what they're doing. I'm biased, right? Because, you know, at the same time, like, if we're talking about special populations or we're talking about special dietary constraints or anything like that, I, I want you to go see a dietitian, right? I don't want to be sitting and, you know, if I could mess you up by making tweaks to your diet, I, I don't want to be the one that's responsible for that, right? Um, but I'm talking about basic nutrition intervention. I think that everybody can benefit from basic nutritional interventions, right? Like eat more vegetables or eat more lean protein or eat more healthy carbohydrates, minimally processed carbohydrates and healthy fats. 
um, you know, just getting those general things on your, on your plate will help them eat better. So I, I look at nutrition coaching like this. So it starts with plate building. So like I said, you know, lean protein, veggies, minimally processed carbohydrates and healthy fats. You look at first, are we getting those on our plate, right? So that's plate building. That's number one, that's sources. Okay. Can we get the sources right? Am I putting healthy whole food sources on my plate? So when I'm working with a client, that's the first thing I'm looking for. Okay. Are your sources good? Okay. From there, you move into portions. Are the portions of each one of those categories correct? Am I eating, you know, not enough protein or am I eating too much carbohydrate? Am I not having enough vegetables? Am I eating too much healthy fat? You know, because these things or, or vice versa, right? Um, portions is the next thing for me. And then I like to look at the mindfulness and this is right. Just, these are just basic strategies, right? So you go sources. Okay. They're putting the right things on their plate portions. Okay. They're putting the right amounts of those things on their plates. And then you're going to the mindfulness piece. This is like a precision nutrition calls this the ninja skill, right? When you can get the mindfulness portion, right? Of like, yeah, I'm eating. And yeah, these are my baseline recommendations for sources and protein, but do how well do I really know my own body? right? Like people that have worked out a long time are like that too. You know, here's your percentages, but you can feel when you need to back. When you've been lifting weights your whole life, you know when you need to back off and you know when you need to kick it up. You know, I call it building training IQ. Um, I would say that last, that third piece in nutrition is the mindfulness thing is building your nutritional IQ. Okay. Do I know when to slow down my eating? Do I know when to do I know when to, do I know how to eat until I'm satisfied, not stuff, right? So eating slow is going to be looking at your eating speed, okay? When I eat, how fast does it take me to eat? Do I, you know, do I take a sip of water in between? Do I set my utensils down in between? Am I not rushed eating, okay? And then the second piece of the mindful thing is going to be, can I gauge my stomach? You know, can I gauge how full my stomach feels and go, okay, I'm going to stop before I feel stuffed, right? Uncomfortably stuffed. I'm going to walk away with certain goals a little hungry yet because it takes about 10 to 15 minutes for your satiation cues to kick in. So you might not be satisfied when you walk away from the plate, but you will be in about 10 minutes. Okay. So I would say, you know, how do you get clients to eat better? Look at what's on their plate, get good sources on their plate, good, healthy, colorful vegetables and fruit, get, get really good sources of minimally processed carbohydrates, get a good variety of lean proteins. I say fish is really important. Eggs are very important. Um, you know, those are, and chicken, those are great things to lead with. Obviously, you know, if you eat plant-based or anything like that, um, you know, tofu and things like that, again, I'm not talking about special population. I'm talking about just in general, someone with a balanced plate, um, someone with a balanced macro intake, look at, you know, sources first. And then, like I said, number two, you're going to go ahead and look at portions. Okay. How much of those sources do I put on my plate to get those right? And then final piece. Okay. Can I eat slowly and know when I'm satisfied and not stuff myself? Okay. I think it's as simple as that. How do I do that? The question is working with me. I think and again, I'm biased, but I've been doing this for 10 years. I think instead of handing people a meal plan, I am a firm believer in having people pick, take pictures of their plates. I don't want anything that I'm telling them to do to like throw its throw their life on its head. Okay. Like I don't want some major upheaval in their life because it'll make them stop doing it. I think that's why so many exercise and nutrition plans don't work is because they're like, Hey, you know, everything you eat, don't eat that, eat this. And then they hand you a piece of paper and they think, that's the right thing to do. And maybe on paper, those are the best foods to eat, but based on their baseline right now, what they're eating right now, oh my God, they don't have the kitchen skills to make those things. They don't have the time to go get them. They don't have a routine built and you know, it's just not plausible. It may not be even foods that are very palatable to them. Um, so the first thing I do when I nutrition coach people is I go, Hey dude, for the first week, two weeks that you work with me, just worry about getting workouts in. You know, like you working out is going to be getting you progress. Don't worry about what you eat too much. Just start taking pictures. Okay. I don't care if you eat a bowl of ice cream, just take a picture of it for me. I'm not going to judge you. I don't judge. I like ice cream too. I eat pizza sometimes too, but we have to look at, okay, are the bulk of my plates ice cream and pizza? Or, you know, are the bulk of my plates 
lean protein and vegetables and, and colorful fruits and, and all those other things I mentioned and water. We just want to get those proportions right. Sometimes people think they're eating healthy and sometimes they think that like, oh, I only, you know, eat out sometimes. And then they start taking pictures of their plates and they go, oh man, you know, yeah, my, my uh, personalized nutrition, you know, friendly plates are only 40% of the time and I eat out 60 you know, and, and when you look at my liquid beverages across the week, I only drink X amount of water, but I drink a thousand beers, right? Or glasses of wine. I think the best way that you can nutrition coach people is just say, take a picture of those things and then we'll talk about it. And then I'm a big believer in instead of like, like you said, going, you know, I see you're eating a sandwich. You should eat some salmon. I go, all right, notice it. I just had this with a client I work with. I, I tell people all the time, I think I can get them fit with sandwiches very easily right? You work out hard, I get you fit with sandwiches. Um, but, you know, I noticed that he was eating a lot of sandwiches and I just went, hey man, let's talk about moving your plates across the continuum right now, right? Like you're eating white bread. Let's go to wheat. I see right now you're eating um, ham. Again, not terrible option, but you could go leaner, right? Like let's go turkey. Would you, would you eat turkey? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I noticed that there's no vegetables on your sandwich. Can we get some vegetables on there? Absolutely, man. Well, what kind of vegetables do you like? Well, I like this. Okay, well, let's let's continue to build on that. Let's maybe get some healthy fats on the side. Can can you pack some nuts for for work? Can we get some fruits that are convenience, like oranges or apples or bananas or, you know, maybe can we pack a little bit of uh, you know some berries for work? Can we do that? Yeah, yeah. Look at that, right? Like I didn't make them eat salmon to get them to eat measurably better. With I didn't change the routine at all. They didn't have to. And it's stressful. Like we don't give, we don't give people enough grace to go like, yeah, like you can't, you're going to have to find the new food that you have to eat in the grocery store. You're going to have to learn how to prepare it. You're going to have to, and we can do those things over time. But like I said, I think we need to start with just meeting people where they're at. And I, I don't think I, like I was talking about younger trainers or like insecure trainers. I don't think trainers are, are secure enough or like they'd know enough when they start training to, to coach people like that, to go, I know it's not going to be ideal, but this is a hell of a lot better than what they were eating to start. And then once you build that leverage and they start getting results, you go, okay, wow, imagine, you know, imagine if we got some fish on that plate, imagine if we, and they just change and change and you just keep letting them win and you keep letting them win every time they show up, man, look at my sandwich, look at my, and they're just happy and I'm happy. And I see they were making results, but yeah, man, that's, that's, I think, is the key to, to helping clients eat better. It's just, where are you at, man? I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to judge those plates. I'm just helping you move them along the continuum. I don't want some major upheaval in your life. I want this to be stress-free, brother or sister, right? <laughs> um, you know, because I know you'll do it then, right? Same thing with working out, you know? Do I want to get you Olympic lifting the first day? Fuck no. I'm not doing that to people. You know, if all, you're, if all you feel comfortable working out with is a backpack at home, Let's get you moving. That's fine. Can we eventually get you in a gym down the line? Maybe. But it starts with that. It really starts with that. And I think if more people looked at diet and exercise that way as progress is progress and getting better is getting better in any form, we would have a lot less people that feel like they failed their fitness attempt and quit. I feel like coaches need to realize this too because we got to stop getting in the way of other people's progress and just because their progress doesn't look like our progress doesn't mean it's not progress. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Oh, man. Um, so, last one. What are, um, what are some of your favorite memories about Garrett? Oh, man. Um, I have a lot. I, I uh, yeah, that's, thanks for asking. Um, yeah. I lived a lot of my, um, my life with that guy. Um, we've gotten to a lot of shit together. We were fucking degenerate shitheads, but he was also one of the best dudes I know. Um, I think like everything I learned about like loyalty and family, I learned from him just like the way he interacted with his little bros and his family and his friends, just the way he always looked out for everybody. And um, I have a lot of good memories with him. Um, you know, I think some of my best memories with him were me hanging out at mom's house and, um, 
you know, just, just crushing workouts out in the garage, playing catch in the yard, walking over Wazicha and hanging out with the, the chicas and, and, uh, you know, coming back after a day at the beach and just bumming on the couch together and, uh, going into mom's freezer and pulling out some freezy pops and eating the, eating those fucking things till, till our mouths would bleed and, um, watching get rid, get rich or die trying a thousand times. And, um, and just a lot of the conversations we had and, um, he was just a great dude. I can think of a funny story I could tell you because I, I would be honest with you right now. I'm probably not going to get too in depth on this because I don't want to like start crying on a podcast. I hope you guys understand. Um, it was one of the, one of the funniest memories I have with Garrett is I think we were like eighth grade and uh, went to went to an all you can eat buffet. It's me, him, and my buddy Avery, and. Uh, <laughs> We eat, and uh, I got enough money to to pay for me and Garrett, and and uh, so I I get my money out, and Avery goes, "Well, I don't have enough money." I was like, "Well, you know, I got I got enough for Garrett, but I, you know, I don't have enough for all three of us." And he's like, "No hesitation. Anybody that knows Garrett just knows like his ability to be simultaneously serious and hilarious at the same time." Um, he just goes, "This is a bad night." He goes, "Well, I guess we're running then." And I'm like, oh shit, I guess we are. And uh, so we just kind of look at each other and I go, well, dude, I, I brought I brought the damn money. So I'm not getting in trouble for this. So I go, all right, Avery, me and Garrett are going to walk outside. We're just going to pretend like we're calling our parents or something. You take this money. If you, if you, you know, you end up kind of bitching out and you don't want to run, we'll be outside. You know, just give them this and then we'll figure out how we can call someone for money. Figure it out. Well, we're standing there and I just remember I'm kind of facing away from this is Hong Kong buffet in Wisconsin Rapids. Hopefully I can't still get in trouble for this as an adult. If I could, that's hilarious. But yeah, um, so I'm facing away <laughs> from the from the door, from the front door. And all of a sudden I just like look at Garrett's face and goes, he, he, he's running. He's fucking running. And I like turn around and I can see Avery just run out the door at the time, as an adult, Avery's like a pretty fit dude, but he was a pretty chubby, chubby dude at the time um, <laughs> when, when this happened. So kind of like biggest dude, was out of shape guy in the group, just runs out the door with his backpack on, running simultaneously. We're like me and Garrett are sprinting and running and laughing our ass off. So it's super hard to run away because we can't stop laughing because Avery's behind us just screaming, help, <laughs> help. <laughs> And uh, like there's there's literally instantly the the kitchen staff and people they knew we were degenerates. Like when we were standing by the door and we started standing outside, they're like, I could tell they're all like, watch these asshole kids. They're gonna run away. You know, they're gonna die to dash. <laughs> and um, so they, that happened. And um, yeah, Avery's running behind us. And obviously, like you know, me and Garrett are a bit faster than them, so we cook them. Well, anybody that knows kind of the layout of where Hong Kong was at the time, I don't know. I haven't been there in a long time, but. Past the quick trip, past like Walmart's like off to the left somewhere, but we end up like running into the woods and we end up just getting into this backyard and we're getting chased by the kitchen staff the whole way. And we think that Avery got caught and we can hear the people in the kitchen staff yelling like, get back here, blah, blah. They're like running with like things they had in the kitchen. So these guys are running with knives and there's some degenerate shit. Um, they're running with knives and all that stuff. And we finally get to a backyard. And, and this is like another thing that I love about Gary. He's like, he's just not, he never backed down from anything. And we got into this backyard. There's this big fence. And we're like, all right, man, this is it. Like we're screwed. It looks like we're going to have to fight them. And, um, God, I hope no one's judging me for this. This is too funny. Um, but he's just like, all right, we're going to have to fight them. And me and him are standing there slapping each other in the face. We're like, let's do this. And all of a sudden, like they just, don't come and they're just like they end up like not coming in the backyard and like what the hell like where are these guys and um so they end up we end up like going around the corner of the house and we look and they had just turned around on that street they had just turned around and we're like oh my god thank god so we end up like going across to the other house and there was like a shorter fence jump over that we're in the woods we're just like we can hear it because they called the police right we can hear like i think at the time like the the car the police car of choice was like the charger. So you can just hear chargers on all sides. of the woods, like, and we're like, we're screwed. Okay. So to make this situation even worse, we're like, man, they could probably caught Avery. Avery probably snitched on us. We're screwed. 
we're going to go to jail. You know, we're in the Garrett had a heart condition. So Garrett's in the, in the woods and he's like, my heart, bro. Like I, I can't walk. I was like, you can't die on me. I'm like, I already have to call mom and tell him that we fucking died and dashed. You're not dying on me. You know? So I'm just like, he's just, I'm helping him. He's like over my arm. I'm like, Oh my God. He's like, I'm going to die out here. I'm like, stop, stop. You're not going to die out here. Like, so we walk around. He ends up being fine. I like call. I, I have a, like, I don't want to call mom, which is Garrett's mom, but I, I would call her mom too. And, and, um, I was like, I don't want to call her. I don't want to call her. I call her and I go, Hey, uh, how's it going? And she's like, good, good. How are you doing? I'm like, um, yeah, we, we died in dash and we lost Avery and blah, blah. And I was like rambling. And she's like, what are you talking about? Avery's with me right now. I'm like, Oh, and I'm like, you know, I'm freaking on the phone and, and Garrett's going to die. And, and she's like, what are you talking about? Garrett, Avery's with me. I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. We're okay. Like, where are you? And she's like, we're at Walmart. We're like, okay, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to walk over and, and find you. You know, police are still looking for us, but we're like, okay, that's far enough a down away from Hong Kong. Like we'll be able to get it. We'll be fine. So we end up like popping out and then we end up getting in the car. Like we end up like getting in mom's van and we get in the car and we're like, God, this, this fucking van smells like shit. Like what the fuck? And me and Gary just like kind of said, we're like, I can't believe we got away. We're like telling her the story. Like it was just crazy. And then we're like, we never go back to Hong Kong again. Never go back there again. And, um, we get out of the car and Avery's like, I got to tell you guys something. And he was wearing all white shorts. And he had got so scared when he was running away from the kitchen staff that he shit his pants. And he ended up getting away from the kitchen staff, didn't. They kept chasing us and he veered off to the side. The funniest thing about this whole thing is he shit his pants and he had to walk up to a random house in Rapids and knock on the door and use their phone. <laughs> and thank God he knew mom's number. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. There's a story about Garrett. I know it's not PC or whatever, but your boy was a was a degenerate when he was a child. So, but a lot of the mischief I raised was was with that man early on, and I and I love him and I miss him, and I miss all those all those uh, crazy times together. But you know, I also miss, like I said, I miss uh, I miss just who he was and. Um, getting to spend time with him. He was just an amazing dude, and he's will always be my best buddy, and I miss him. But, well, I went about 50 minutes here. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it good. But I want to thank you guys for listening to episode number 10 and asking such great questions. And I have a lot. I don't feel like we talked about fitness a lot, but, yeah. But thank you guys a lot, and thanks for tuning in, and, I'll see you guys soon.